first thing we want to talk about, and, and this is going to be interactive between the four of us, the first thing we really want to talk about is the biblical basis for parenting. Hey, welcome. Come on in. Uh, there's some seats right up here. Um, and we just, we literally just finished introducing ourselves. I'm Van. This is Tracy. Julie Sarabath. Um, let's let's go to scripture. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. Do you all have that on your clipboards? I think it is kind of the lead verse for this whole time together. If you got it on your clipboards, is it there or not? It is. Uh, I don't think I have it written Okay, well, let, let me just, it, it, you know, it's always worthy to read scripture out loud. These are the commands decrees and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So to me, just the land is Dallas, right? It's where we're living. Wherever your neighborhood is, that's the land that the Lord has given you commands, decrees, and laws so that you, each individual parent, your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all of his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Right. So that's kind of that kind of introduction. It's this land. It's the land Dallas we possess. We're His followers. It is an opportunity for all of us to have decrees and laws that we are going to enjoy a long life, and it is going to go well for us if we're rooted in that Scripture. Next, hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. So love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts, right? Upon each of our individual hearts as parents as we're raising these middle school girls, the commands of the Lord need to be on our hearts as we, in trepidation, kind of go forward with that process. Impress them on your children, right? So we're going to be impressing the commands of the Lord on our children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. I love what Kyle said this morning. Walking along the road, probably the modern-day equivalent is traveling in our cars around town, right? Um, When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as as symbols on your hands and bind bind them on your foreheads. To me, that really means just always kind of at the forefront. They're right there, very close to you. They're very close and intimate to the whole person that you are and write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates, right? That's a proclamation to the city, proclamation to your neighbors, proclamation to your friends, that is for you and your house, you're going to follow the Lord, right? That this is a house that is going to try diligently, with imperfection, to follow the Lord. So is there a biblical basis for parenting these middle school girls? There absolutely is. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9 can be a core scripture that you can go meditate on in your next quiet time. And what is the biblical charge or command? To me, then you go back to Matthew. It's to love our Lord, our God, right? Number one. And number two, to love others. That's what we ought to be striving to push our daughters towards. And what a really difficult time. We'll be talking about that. I know all of you are living it, right? To love others. What a difficult time it is when you're 12, 13, 14, 15 to love others. To us, for our son, middle school was the hardest time. I mean, it was a dark time in his life. It was just really, really difficult because the whole manhood thing, just like the womanhood thing, was starting to come out and the sharp elbows among peers were coming out, right? So you know, who's better, who's faster, who's smarter, who's stronger, who's, who's more beautiful? Those apply in, in spades to our middle school daughters. Uh, and so so what are the clues that I tried to come up with from Deuteronomy 6 through uh, 1 through 9? Number one, 
to me, God must be active and living in our home. Right? As dads, as, uh, as moms, God must be active and living in our home every day. Right? And it's got to be for me and for Tracy, as we're, as we're loving and sharing life with Hannah, uh, it's got to be my individual faith. Right? I've got to be rock solid. Tracy's got to be rock solid. I've got to be drawing that out uh, of her and she in me. It has got to be alive. It has got to be active. Right? That, to me, that's all rooted right there in that Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. And in the home, just, um, it needs to be lived. Our individual faith and our faith as a couple needs to be lived day to day. We have to work to have unity in our marriage. We can't lead our children well if we can't um, you know, have unity in our marriage or in our individual lives if we are a single parent. Um, and there needs to be excitement about our faith, that it's not just a task and that God is taking something away from us by saying we have to do these things, but that, but that there's life there. Go back to the scriptures that living in a life of Christ is, a, is an abundant life. It's not a life of drudgery. And that um, we are constantly developing Christ-likeness in us. And so that within our home, we're not just going to church and modeling going to church, but we're really living it. And that when we make mistakes, we're asking for forgiveness. We're showing our children by our example of how we own our mistakes. We resolve conflict biblically. We... Um, you know, we just live out the commands of the Lord and the commands of the Scripture in our day-to-day lives. And our kids need to see that. If they don't see that, anything we tell them to do is going to be meaningless if they're not seeing it in our own lives. Um, and then we need to be developing in our children love for His church and love for His people through service, through involvement, through our um, stewardship of time and treasures, um, we need to be teaching it to them, but we also need to be modeling it. We have to we have to really live the talk that we are giving them. To me, it, it really it goes to and let me hear what y'all's thoughts are, kind of coming from the leadership angle. But the, to me, it is parents who live kind of filleted lives, right? Whose just hearts are open to your kids, whose lives are very transparent to your kids, so that they know what really what makes me tick. Right? Why do I get up every day? Uh, what, what what about me? Uh, can they model or emulate, right? And and what where am I with my spiritual walk? And to the extent that I'm struggling with God, to the extent that I'm I've got an issue with God, or I don't fully understand the heart of God, you know, am I sharing that with my kids? And uh, uh, and where am I struggling in the workplace, right? And what what is that workplace? Do they see what that's like? Do they know what's going on in my workplace? Do they know what my big struggles are in the workplace? Uh, and and do, you know, do they know what my hopes and dreams are? Right? And, and hopefully those are rooted in things that are, that are tangibly Christ-like hopes and dreams. Right? It's not that I'm hoping for you know, a vacation home in Colorado, although that would be wonderful, but you know, that, 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 I, that my hopes and dreams are really for his people you know, to serve. I'm a lawyer. I'm really involved in the justice ministry. I love what we're doing down in West Dallas. And, and what we're doing in West Dallas is really trying to tear down a bunch of nasty houses that have prostitutes and drug lords in them. And we're using the legal process through that. So do my kids know that, right? Just simple as that. Do they know that? Do they know why that's important? Do they know why I think that is rooted in Christ-likeness? Uh, simple stuff, right? You know, Tracy teaches women a lot. So is she 
visiting with women and, ta and, and telling Hannah about why she's teaching this, why that is important, uh, those sorts of things. So what about biblical basis of parenting? I would just say, like, it is important just to like really live it out because if you're sending your kids to church and they're showing up for wake and they're learning all this stuff but they're not seeing those principles lived out at home like they're just not going to be as motivated I think to take part in that and if they're being encouraged to serve but not watching their parents serve or they're you know being kind of instructed and David a lot of times at wake will say go home and talk to your parents about this and you know ask your parents about this so if it's not matching up um, kind of that partnership it's just hard for, I think, the kids to kind of be motivated to do it if their parents aren't at home. And I think when we study scripture just in small groups and we ask them questions, it's the girls that I think have a good relationship with their parents and understand their parents' walk that can answer those questions in a way that's life applicable. I, I think a lot of times they, um, kids will get stuck in the Sunday school answers or what they know they're supposed to say. And, you know, like, yeah, but what does that really mean? And when you ask them that question, they're like, I don't know. Jesus loves people, I should, you know, not, they don't understand what it looks like. And I'm like, well, you know, it's like when my dad goes to Africa and he loves those people by showing them, you know, how to lead or, you know, how to, you know, seek justice or whatever. And so giving them life application where you can uh, put it in their own life. Because I know with my parents, they taught me scripture, but I don't know that I knew really what was going on with them and their emotional relationship with the Lord. And so I think that's really beneficial for junior high girls. I think it's important that our, our girls know that we have seasons that we struggle with the Lord, that we're either wrestling with them over an issue or we just feel dry, the scriptures aren't alive to us. And I think they need to know that those seasons do come and then you need to talk with them of how you work through that, how you get back to a place that you want to be in your relationship with the Lord. Because they're not going to, if, if we don't walk them through that, and show them how that happens, they're not going to know. They're going to think if, when it's happening to them that maybe it's not normal, that something's wrong, that sort of thing, and not know how to get out of it. So uh, I gave you this kind of little handy outline. And so, I mean, that's how Yeah, I passed it out. And so now we're going to kind of head into this next topic, <coughs> parents' job and spiritual development. And it really dovetails with what we just talked about, but in much greater detail. Um, so now that we know this biblical basis and we have some real set basics around it, how do parents actively encourage the spiritual development of a middle school girl? How do you do that, right? Uh, we're going to talk about where girls spiritually are. Tracy's going to talk about that in a second, but, but let's start with how do we actively do it. To me, uh, you have to know as a parent what your role is. You have to clearly know what your role is. You have to communicate as a husband and a wife on what your different roles are. The different role of a husband and a wife in that situation. You know, take a date night, take some time, and go talk about it. If you're a single parent, find some people to partner with. You know, you, you've told us a great story about how your husband's involved, or your former husband's involved here. You know, are you talking about that? Uh, to the extent some of you uh, are single parents, and, and uh, your husband or your wife, your former husband or wife, are, are departed from here, you know, somewhere else, uh, you know, who is going to be teaming up with you? Maybe a small group leader, right? Maybe it's David Peniel. But how are you thinking about what the roles are as you move forward? So to me, here are the roles of the parent. Number one, you're a leader. Right? Parent must lead. Just flat out must lead. Next, you're a guide. You're, and, and as these middle school girls grow up, and we've got some great books and we'll talk about them in a second, but as, as these girls grow up, you've got to be the guide. Right? And so 
that really in middle school to me, and seeing this with my son, uh, I'm, I'm starting to pull back a little bit on the lead, and I'm starting to increase a little bit on the guide, right? And in high school, I'm really pulling back on the lead, and I'm really increasing on the guide. You probably have all seen the little deal where you put a bunch of, you know, the, 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 the best would be like put broken glass on a floor, right? Or put it, obstacles on a floor. And then your kid is on one side and you're on the other side and the kid's blindfolded. It's a great, great word picture for this. And you have to coach them through this hazard with your words, right? And when they get over to you, you can give them a big hug and go, man, you made it through the hazard. I mean, to me, that is adolescence. It is middle school and high school and coaching them through that, that time. That's your guide years. And then last is a friend. I mean, you know, I, I try really, really, really hard to just be a friend to my daughter. And, and just to have time. I mean, the other night we were sitting in the swimming pool, for, which I never did, uh, and, and, but I needed to let the steam off, and she was willing to go with me, and so we'd go dump in, dump in the pool together, and, we're just, and I'm just swimming along and just asking questions, asking questions, asking questions, open-ended questions. I mean, just question, question, question. Because it's not natural. I mean, we don't just automatically sit down and just break down straight to the heart. And so just using those questions, what would you do today? Let, okay, let's take that a little deeper. All right, now what, why, you know, what was going on with that show? What was this friend doing? What's that about? What are you excited about coming up? What books are you reading? What do you like about that? I mean, really questions just to really draw your daughters out. Because guys, I'll tell you what, I mean, I could see a little bit of my daughter in 6th and 7th grade, and you could just see this woman growing up, and I'm going, Ooh, I don't like that as dad. I just I'm not really excited about what's happening here. I got this and and honestly I mean no offense, but I was kinda of going, Oh my gosh, now I've got kind of two women in my life instead of a woman and a girl, you know, now I've got I'm wow. Uh, it's just overwhelming to me. So just trying to be a friend. And to me, being a dad and, and is is a role uh, I love this book, uh, for dads. It's called uh, What's it called? It's the D. Chap and D. Clark, Daughters and Dads Building a Lasting Relationship. So Chap Clark is a former Young Life leader in California. Uh, he is uh, a real senior. He's like kind of a Cal Kegler for a church out there. Uh, and I think he's on Pepperdine University <coughs> faculty. Uh, really strong spiritual leader. And, uh, and, and here's what he says. I love this book. It says, uh, Who can provide her hope and comfort in her journey? We believe that God has designed the father to take on that crucial role as his daughter moves through adolescence. She needs a teacher more than a judge. And I mean, how many times do I fall into that, right? I, you know, I'm just, you know, what, no, we're not going to wear the what I call white beater T-shirt. We're not going to wear that as a girl, you know, outside of the house. Uh, but you know, hey, instead of just how, how do we teach her through that? A guide more than a boss, right? A guide more than a boss. Tracy, I love what Tracy coined a couple of years ago. People were, we were doing something very similar to this, and, and they said, you know, kind of in a sentence, what, what do you want to achieve as a parent? And Tracy said, you know, and everybody was talking, oh, I want to do this and this. And Tracy goes, you know, I'm really just trying to raise adults. I thought, man, that is exactly what we should be doing. We should be raising, I mean, how many adults do you know that are adolescents? I mean, there are tons of them walking the earth, right? And I thought, that is perfect. If we can get our daughter to a place when she's 18 and she drives out of the driveway to ACU or OSU or Oklahoma or wherever, you know, and, and she is in a place where she's an adult, man, way to go, right? Way to go. Uh, 
a friend more than a protector. All right, that's my role as a dad. For this to happen, she needs a dad who is willing to walk beside her during these years. Uh, I mean, so good. Great stuff. So, uh, to me, what does that look like in spiritual development? Simply this. I love what Todd Wagner says about this. He says uh, to, to our, our high school and our college age kids, you know, when you're looking for a spouse, you're looking for a guy or a gal who loves Jesus more than he loves you. And, and to me, I need to be that dad who loves Jesus more than I love anything else. And my daughter needs to know that I love Jesus more than anything else. And if I love my business more than Jesus, she is going to pick it up. If I like politics, you know, if I love to run to the news, or, you know, maybe it's Fox News, you know, and get all spun up about Republican conservative politics, or CNN and Democrats and what Obama's doing and how excited I am about that, whatever... She's going to pick that up. I love I love that more than I love Jesus. Or, or golf. No offense, guys. You know, that I love golf more. Right? And it doesn't mean any of those single things are bad. It is just where we are on the spectrum. Right? I mean, it, is it the Cowboys or is it the Longhorns? Or, you know, I'm real quick. I love the Longhorns. I do. I'm with Tracy. I mean, it was, it was a great day of my life uh, to be out there. Particularly, I mean, we're sharing it together. We just had a ball out there at the National Championship. But... It was a game, you know. And does she know that it was a game? Uh, and so, and then, and so, what does that look like, though? It's just loving Jesus. To me, loving His church, right? Doesn't mean I elevate Watermark to some sort of super special status, or PCPC, or or you know Garland Bible, or whatever. It is that I love His church, Christ's fundamental church. I believe personally that the church is God's solution to the world when done right. And does my daughter know that, right? Uh, and do I? And, and then the last thing for me about this, and then Tracy will pick up here, is um, you know, I just to me, and, and this is a great blessing for us, if you look back at our life ten years ago, what you're going to find is a guy who really was very passionate about his work, um, and a guy who was really, you know, fairly disillusioned with his not fairly, totally disillusioned with his church. Uh, you know, if it was a pretty day like today and we'd be driving to church, I'd go, you know what, how about White Rock instead of church? And everybody in the family would go, yeah! White Rock, let's go there. Or Dairy Queen, yeah! I mean, <laughs> I mean, it was so much more fun and exciting, right, to be a White Rocker at the Arboretum than it was to be at his church. And, 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 and thank God that we were drawn uh, to a place where people taught us that it was fun and exciting to be around Jesus. And it was fun and exciting to be around life change. And so to me, uh, as the dad modeling that has had a huge, huge impact on my son's life and his love for Jesus and my daughter's life and her love for Jesus. And, you know, God forbid, I mean, God bless, we're in a place where both of them just got baptized, you know, three or four weeks ago. I don't know if you knew that. You need to ask her about that. But, um, you know, yeah, thank God for, for that. So... I think another very important aspect of parents um, in overall development of their children, but especially the spiritual development, is we need to be united um, in issues that we're going to confront, how we're going to confront them with our children. We need to make sure we as a couple are on the same page, which is going to take work. And it's going to take work before the issues <coughs> arise, whenever possible. So you need to be thinking forward of what's ahead, what's coming. How are we going to handle this when it hits our family? Um, and if you're not united, don't put the child in the middle 
to make that um, unity occur. Work on it apart from the child so that then when you go to the child in the final decision or approach that you're going to take, you are united. Because kids will see that if there's, a, if there's a problem there, they will see it and they will use it. Her daughter um, can be manipulative in that if she doesn't get the answer she wants from me, she'll go to dad to try to get a different answer. And so we, have, we know that about her. Um, and it's usually on you know, pretty simple things, but we know that about her. So we're making sure we're communicating constantly about, you know, I dealt with this, this is what I said, which we already knew we were on the same page about. But sometimes it's simple things like, can I spend the night? And I've said no. She'll go ask him and get a different answer. And so we just have to, we have to be communicating and making sure we're on the same page um, in what we're doing. And I just, I think that is critical because if we're not united in our marriage, in our philosophies and our thoughts and feelings of how we're going to raise these kids, they're going to sense that and they will take advantage of it. It is in their nature. Uh, even great, wonderful, sweet kids, it's in their nature to take advantage of it, to manipulate the situation to their benefit. And, and so, I mean, my answer on, you know, can I spend the night out is, what, you know, have you talked to your mom? I mean, I, I, I don't have a position on that. I have a lot of things at home. I do not have a position on that until I have, I have checked in. Um, so let's talk about what it's like to be a leader and a guide. Uh, a leader, very simply, these are the roles of a leader. Uh, and then on your handout, but number one, you got to have a plan. Right? I mean, we, we, if we're aimless, I, I love the, the old quote, what is it, you know, if you shoot at nothing, you're going to arrive there. So uh, you got to have a plan. What is the plan for developing your daughter's spiritual development? Right? What so, do you want to have accomplished by the time they leave your home? What are your, like Kyle was saying, what prayers do you hope the Lord will answer by the time your child is 18? You've got to know where you're going in order to get there, you got to know where you're going first. And are they God's plans, right? Are they are they are they scripturally rooted? You know, um, I, I love His church. I love His church. I, I also know that humans have added a whole bunch of rules to His church that probably aren't anywhere scripturally rooted. And so, am I wise enough and discerning enough to to help with that? And, and, and am I kind of sorting through that? So, do I have a plan? Am I communicated that plan? I mean, first of all, we agreed on it, right? And then have I communicated that plan to my daughter? By the time you leave, I'd love for you to know God's great story in his Bible. There's one, right? That's just a simple one. Um, I'd love for you to know how you spiritually are gifted by the Lord and what your passions are and what your weaknesses are. There's one, right? And, and so let's talk about how we're going to accomplish that. The next is encourage execution on the plan. You know, when we were talking about planning, and I would involve your daughters in this, right? It's not dad says or mom says, but hey, what would you like with your spiritual development? Where are you with God? What can I do to encourage you? How can I pray for you? Uh, and then make uh, opportunities and priorities to achieve that plan. We're going to talk about those in a, in a specific way in a second. And then next is a guide. I talked about this whole dichotomy. You're dropping off being a leader and you're starting to be a guide is that, that moves forward. Uh, I, I need to model scripture, right? So I had this really unique opportunity last weekend. Um, my son, number 14 on the Trinity Trojans, uh, uh, and I got to go to a father-son retreat for the senior high football team last weekend. And uh, it was really a special time. It's the first time it's ever been done in the history of the school. 
and, and there's some unique reasons why they were doing it. One reason why is because they see some really overly competitive dads, many of whom claim Christ, uh, who are building into their daughters and their sons that their daughters and the sons need to achieve certain things academically, spiritually, and athletically uh, that are unattainable, right? And so they just wanted to bring us together and, and in subtle ways start to build into us, right? And so we've got dads who were through for 4,000 yards and through, you know, rushed for 300 yards in one game and scored four touchdowns. And by God, their sons know it, right? I mean, they just know it. Um, and so I was able to stand up and say that my last touchdown was like in third grade. <laughs> Another dad stood up great in great line and said, uh, you know, my, uh, uh, and he said, my son is a first generation athlete. So, <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, but here's what came out of that. Here's what came out of that. So they, they asked us to tell grandfather stories. And I would really encourage you to do this. Grab a couple of nights. You're not going to get it done in one night. But grab a couple of nights as a guide and model for your kids where you came from. You know, so mom or dad, maybe dad starts first night, and then five nights later mom goes. And, and talk about the blessings that your parents gave you and the not-so-blessings. Okay? You can put whatever word you want on that. And how you are going to try to break that cycle Right to the extent that you need to break it, and all of us, I'm sure, to do. My dad was a great leader. He loved me passionately. He did not know Jesus, and so I, I'm like Julie's kids. I, 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 you know, I can, you know, 15 years ago, if people talk about Noah and the Ark, man, I was like, okay, if you say so. But uh, people talk about David and Goliath, and I give, I guess so. I mean, I had never grown up hearing those stories, right, and so talk to your kids about the heritage and how that somehow, I mean sometimes, models in your own life. Right? That's a great guide tool. I tell you that story because here's what happened. Uh, we saw a lot of wounded 40-year-old men talking about how their dads had wounded them in the area of academic achievement or athletic achievement. Right? And so, as guide, I, and, and then we saw dads who had modeled scripture. One dad talked about every morning he saw his father in his study in the Word. And every night when he went to bed, he saw his father in that same study in the Word. I mean, I thought, this is God's plan, right? The family is one of God's great plans for passing on the legacy of, of, of life through Christ. And, and it was just so cool to see that. So what's my day-to-day living as a guide? How am I praying for my kids? How am I participating in their scriptural development? And how am I showing them service? Right? And so... For me, service looks a little different. I'm not the first guy who's who's up here, you know, stocking the food shelves. Although we'll do that. Uh, for me, it, it it's very professionally driven in West Dallas, and so I, to that I have to use some words around it and explain what's going on and tell them about real families who are being served. Uh, but that's and that's fine. Uh, and then last is you know don't abdicate your role. This is not the church's job. Uh, I mean, frankly, there are a whole bunch of churches who've done just a horrible job at this. And so why would you want to leave it up to them? This one is a great place to partner with. These are great people to partner with. But they're our partners, right? They are not our guides. They are not our leaders. They are our partners. And it's not the school's job. I mean, Trinity's been a great place for Scott. I can tell you about why. But you know what? So would Richardson High School have been a great place for Scott. And, And so... 
that whole public-private debate thing doesn't really matter. It's not the school's job, just because the school has the name Christian in it. Not their job, right? They can be a good supplement sometimes. Uh, they can be a really poor supplement sometimes, frankly. And so uh, just knowing where those are, and it's not last the Christian friend or neighbor's job, right? It's our job as parents. Thoughts on that? We're not parents. We've never been parents. And so uh, <laughs> a lot of times, you know, parents will come to us, well, what would you do? And we're like, well, here's what Scripture says, but we, we aren't parents, and it's not our job to make the decision for your kid. We'll support you. We want to know what you want for your kid and what your prayers are for your kids so we can help them get there. But we aren't parents. And a lot of times it's easy because, you know, you're like, you're a small group leader, and so, like, they're a great resource to listen to tell them, like, this is what's going on with our child. We want you to be sensitive to this. We want you to watch for this. Um, but a lot of times we'll also see parents kind of put on what they want for their child. And, like, well, do they have enough friends? Are they, you know, how are they with other people? And it's kind of coming out in this investigative, like, we want to make sure they're popular. And so, and it's just that um, it's easy for parents to kind of take on well, this is what we want our daughter to be like, and so we just want to like love them where they're at and encourage them for their unique gifts. Go ahead. Uh, and so let's wrap up with this: huge watchouts and danger zones for middle school girls to me, uh, and this is really for all of our kids. Number one, parents who are lukewarm. Uh, if, if you're not, if mom and dad, if you guys are not the first people out the door for church on Sunday mornings, they're going to pick it up, right? And, and if they don't understand that church is really seven days a week and that worship is a seven-day-a-week thing and that, that uh, this is not something to be uh, confined to an hour and a half on Sunday mornings, they'll pick that up, right? Second, hypocrisy. Uh, to me, it, Tracy's going to share some statistics with you in a second, and I, and I really am struggling with why those statistics are true. Uh, and I think I've got one answer, and that is our kids are smart, right? They are growing up in an environment, you can bash our public schools all you want, but they're growing up in, a, in a, an environment where they're getting amazing training by public schools and amazing training by private schools and home schools, and they are, they're way up the curve on their smarts, right? Well, because of that, they are also perhaps some of the best readers of hypocrisy walking. They're, they're better than adults, right? Because they're just, they're not as jaded as we are. They're not as busy as we are. They're not as encumbered as we are. And they just kind of sit back and watch the world and they go, I don't know about that one. You know, you say one thing and do another. And so you've got to root out hypocrisy in your life. And for me, this is a huge one, right? I mean, I just I struggle and struggle and struggle. And sometimes I just go to my daughter and go, you're right. You know what? I, I I said we should care about the homeless, and we just drove by that box with that guy, and my answer was that he does it for a professional living. And she said, well, how do you know that? You haven't even talked to it. You know? So, hey, that's, that's her hypocrisy meter going off, right? You say not to drink, and you had a glass of wine last night. What's, what up about that? You, know? you say that uh, you love Jesus, but you went to the Metallica concert last night. Let's talk about that. You know, I mean, they just... They just, I didn't go to Metallica. Careful. Although I really do think they're a great man. But, you know, just, they are looking for it, right? They, they say, they say, um, they say, uh, I had a great one, what was it? Oh, gossip. Gossip. Man, they, you know, they're like, hypocrisy, the hypocrisy meter just goes off on our kids, particularly our smart, 
watermark kids. <laughs> and, and man, I think that is one of the reasons we are seeing kids drop out in college from faith. It's one of the kick it, quickest killers of child's One faith. of the statistics I read in several different books um, is by the time our kids are freshmen in college, four out of five have quit attending church. Either they've quit during the high school years or they get to college and go, I'm done. And a very high percentage of them never return um, in those years right after college or don't return those years right after college. So it really is our job while they are still in our home to model and show them why that is an important part of their life and that life is found there because life is found in Christ. Tracy? Amen. Or really, I guess it can apply to anyone. One of the, the struggles when, that we run into on this, I'm backtracking just a little bit on the loving others, teaching our kids to really love God and love others. They are so insecure and into themselves at this age that to get them to reach out and love others is really a little bit of a challenge. You know, our, our classic example, we're trying to get them to include other girls. And they're just too insecure themselves sometimes to include the other girl to be loving them, to bring them in. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What Huge. do y'all do to battle that insecurity to help them? Oh. Y'all pick it up. It's like, it's like pulling teeth. I mean, our girls have struggled with this for two years. I mean, it is so hard to be like, what are you doing? Um, but we just continually like say, why are you thinking about yourself? Like, just look at this girl who's sitting by herself. Like, why can't you just, and just continuing to encourage them, the scripture, and just continuing to kind of just push them, like, because um, their natural tendency isn't going to be to reach out to others. At this age, they're just kind of, I think, self-involved and insecure, and they're thinking about themselves, and so just continuing all the time. I mean, it comes up in our small group. Well, it, 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 you really have to rely on you. Is that they truly cannot? They're not capable of doing it. Just right. like a two-year-old, their world is so revolved around them. They child mentally, their brain cannot do it. So the moms have to step in at this age and do it and include, you know, others. And and that's a modeling. They're going to watch you do that in your relationship and you doing it for them. The other thing that they're not capable of, and it's a process. It's so hard. It is so hard. I don't think it is a stage where people grow out of it. They will say, but they have to find there's something I can do today. There there is. I was going to talk about it in a minute, but I'll talk about it now. There, I mean, what everybody said is correct. Our kids in the middle school years especially and into the high school years, they can see this far in front of them. That's all their brain is capable of. So we have to take them beyond that. And we have to take them beyond that in daily conversations with them. We have to model and talk to them and show them what um, the consequences of their actions are. By you not including that girl, let's talk about how that makes this girl feel. Do you remember when you were left out and you felt this way? That's how, you know, bring it back to them to where they have that tangible heart. Oh, yeah, that was awful and remind them that that's how they're making this child feel. Um, But we have to walk them through. We have to show them the consequences. We have to show them that step-by-step process of how to do it, how to include them, why, you know, 
as much as possible taken back to Scripture and what the Scripture says. But then realize it's not in their nature at this age. And so you can't expect it to be a one-time conversation. And we have to remember, even though they're looking like they might be 18, they're still 11, 12, 13, 14. And we can't treat them older than they are because cognitively they are 11, 12, 13, 14. And so we have to take them through those processes over and over as their brain develops and they start internalizing some of that for themselves. And I will tell you, we did that over and over with Scott in middle school, and we see him doing it now. And the things that hurt him so bad in middle school and as a freshman, now that he's a senior, I'm ha- I mean, just last night at the scrimmage, I had parents come up to me who are parents of freshman kids new to our school saying, your son has come up and really encouraged my child. And the reason he's doing that is because we kept saying, you know, we have reminded him, now remember how you felt as a freshman coming in and how some people came alongside you. And he's taken it upon himself now to come and help those kids walk through those first weeks and, you know, fears of that beginning year. But it's because... It was that process that was built upon from the hurt he experienced in middle school and us modeling and shepherding. Okay, what would have helped you at that time? Wouldn't it have been nice if? And showing them those processes. And I'll dive in on two other things. To me, you need really, really healthy, safe places for them to, to, to test this, right? Because if they test it in a dangerous place and they get rejected, they'll never, they, they won't want to go there. And so to me, it's a great place where his church can help you, where, where Watermark can help you, where the, these gals give up a week of their life to go hang out in connection, you know. And so for our kids, and frankly, I tell anybody who shows up at Watermark, you know, who's particularly those who are now, don't let a clipboard pass you by. Just sign up for everything, you know. I mean, you can go to an extreme on that, but get involved, right? And so, you know, we the connection is there, we sign up for it, you know, and, and, and I know you do too, but it just it's a great way to give them safe places. Uh, you know, sometimes a Christian camp can do that. It, it did for our son. Just a safe place where you can talk about it. Certainly, weekly small group. You know, we're we're like we're moving we're moving the dikes out of the way. Things, you know, academics and athletics are not going to compete with small group. Small group is a safe place to go practice growing up to be a woman. The other is this is the hardest one. Is you know I talked about the grandfather stories, telling the grandmother stories. And then coming back and just having honest conversations with your daughter about your personal insecurity and how insecure you are and how that manifests itself in your life and how then just crossing this bridge and starting to talk about how you start to see insecurities in her life and, and grow and just laying it out. I mean, it's the pink elephant in the room. You know? To me, the number one thing that made me insecure about talking about this talk this morning was insecurity in my daughter, right? And and how do you how do you tackle middle school girl insecurity? It's a riddle. It's a giant riddle for me. I think one of the things you got to do though is you got to say, hey, as moms, as dads, this is this is my insecurity. You know, sometimes I try to put on a pretty dress, not because it's a pretty dress, but because it makes me feel pretty. Well, let, let's talk about whether that's right. Sometimes as a dad, you know, I like to rush off to work and work real hard and get patted on the back at work. Why? You know, in part because it's my insecurity. I need that affirmation. Well, is that are either of those things Christ-like? No, you know, and start and, and just that's where you just really can t- start to take some ground, and that is the hardest place to go, right? Because it requires just an ultimate uh, talking about filleting of your heart, just laying it out there, and go, 
You need to know your dad is insecure. And here's the way it manifests itself. Materialism, right? So I'll go use stuff. Alright, I just, um, uh, I know we have four daughters and we're actually on our second marriage, so I have a daughter, I brought to the marriage, and she has three. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things, I, when I had my daughter, I hated the fact I had a daughter. I wanted a boy so bad until they put her on my arm, right? <laughs> but now that I have four daughters, I don't want a boy. I mean, it's like, it is so weird, you know what I mean? And I hear about these stories and stuff, but one of the things that I, I really, I mean, I am where you sound like you were 15 years ago. All of those things I think I'm pretty well at. The thing I struggle with is that I have no spiritual basis in any of those things that you talk about. I was raised Catholic, whatever, lost the church for a while, and, and I'm getting back to it. But one of the things I do, like uh, our 12-year-old, she's kind of like our tomboy. She's into the BMX bike. She's into this. She's into that, you know. And I'm not ready for her to lose that because now she's becoming a young woman. When she gets there, she gets there. You know what I mean? We kind of tell her, hey, look, that's not really appropriate. Try to, like you said, guide her in that direction. But if she wants to go ride bikes, then let her go ride bikes or whatever, you know. And, and I know we have a lot of friends that, that say, okay, listen, this is the age you're at, so you're done with the boy stuff. You're a lady now. Be done with it, you know. And I know... I spend time with them like they paint my toenails and I walk around with two weeks with a green toenail or whatever, you know. I mean, uh, uh, and it was weird a, a day at work we were talking about this stuff because one of my buddies, his daughter just started shaving and you know, I freaked them out. I said, dude, I got green toenails right now. Uh, 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 no, you don't. I said, I'll pay you $20. I took off my word. And, uh, and that is how I get because that is so... It's so uncomfortable as a spot in life to do that, you know. But if to talk to my daughter about something she wants to talk about, if she's got to do makeup and hair and toenails <laughs> so she can talk about how her friend hurt her yesterday, I'm all for it. Right. You know, and she doesn't do that with mom. None of my girls do that with mom, you know. But they'll, you know, want to do my makeup or give me a weird haircut, you know. I let my daughter cut my hair and she gave me a mohawk, right? And I walked around with a mohawk for three weeks because that's what it took for her to get to a point where she could say, you know what, I need to talk to dad about this, you know. And all of my girls have something different. Our 17-year-old went through this, I'm not into God, you know, I want to go this goth route kind of real quick or whatever. And it really wasn't what we wanted for her, but it was something she needed to do to talk, so we just guided her in some areas, you know, and then, like I said, it wasn't a spiritual-based thing, but it could tell if we fought this, it was going to get way deep, and yeah. we weren't going to get yeah. it back. So. Way to go, Roy. That's awesome, man. Well, let's talk about that. Let's, talk, let's pick up on that topic uh, and talk about your daughters questioning their faith and just going, you know what? I'm out on the God thing, right? God's not for me, so what do you do? Well, I think in the middle school, you know, prior to middle school, the kids just kind of accept Jesus, God, because we tell them to, we bring them to church. But I think that by the middle school years, they start really trying to make it their own. or question, And through that process, sometimes begin questioning it. I've seen it with some of my most faithful friends who, you know, are, are doing all the right things. And their kids are really questioning their faith. And I think it's really important at those times don't overreact. Don't let it, even if it is just breaking your heart and freaking you out, don't necessarily 
just overreact, and especially in front of your children. Um, listen, you want to stay involved, and sometimes the overreaction will completely repel them, and they're like, oh, this is how I'm feeling. It's real, but they don't want to hear it, so I'm just going to shut down and not talk to mom and dad. And that's the last thing we want as parents. So we have to be very careful about that. We have to pray. We have to um, just continually pray for our kids. Um, with them and on our own for them. We have to stay involved in their life. We have to know what is going on, where they are. Um, if we know, there have been times that Hannah has had things going on, but I've called Julie and Sarah Beth and said, I just want you to know, this is kind of what she's thinking, feeling. want you to know what we've told her. I don't expect them to come back to me with every conversation they have, but we have a trust that I know if there's some big red flag, they're going to come to me. Um, But I want them to be a confidant for her. I don't want her to think she can't talk to them because they're going to run to me every time. And just with the don't overreact, we found that in our small group, for instance, like, for a while, we're like, none of them like boys. This is awesome. No one's talking about boys. No one's had a boyfriend. And then come to find out, they've all, like, a lot of them have. And they just didn't tell us because they were afraid we'd freak out. And we just had to kind of open that conversation up and make it one that wasn't scary and that we're not going to be like, no, we think you need to wait until you're ready to get married at 25. Like, don't <laughs> Like, overreacting in that sense, like, they, they know that we think that it's not necessarily the smartest thing for them to date right now. So they were afraid we were going to overreact, and so just making it safe. That's good. Right. That's good. Exactly. Um. And to me, too, um, you know, as we kind of wrap up this topic, we got basically 30 minutes with you guys left. So let's let's kind of transition into kind of the last topics. But the uh, to me, as we kind of have physical, emotional, and social change in the middle school years, we have to embrace that. We have to know it. You you all have been through it. Many of you are kind of leaders in that. We understand. But um, to us, one of the things we really love to do in a a family is to plan for and to to really drive the stake into making memories, right? Whether it is painting dad's toenails. I haven't done that yet, Roy. But uh, whatever it is, but making memories, right? And this is an area, I will warn you right now, this is an area where you can totally freak out, become overwhelmed, and, and allow your competitive juices to go, the other parents are doing this, this, and this, and I've got to, you know, it, no, just work, do what works for your family to make memories, but make memories, and they're going to be gone in a flash of an eye, right? I mean, our, our son's going to be gone in a flash of an eye, our daughter's going to be gone in a flash of an eye, so let's make some memories. We've done that a couple of different ways. One. Passport to purity, uh, preparing for adolescence, weekends away, you know, where you listen to some tapes, and it makes it, it makes the whole sex talk thing a lot less awkward. We've done. Uh, it works really well for us. So I took my son up to Arkansas, and we went fishing and had a great time. Uh, Tracy took Hannah down to Austin and had a great time. And just, I, I, I love those weekends. If you don't know about them, you can Google passport to purity or preparing for adolescence, and you'll come up, you get a tape series, you get a little workbook. Great time just to talk with your daughters about what it is like to grow up and be a woman. Uh, I know Kyle talked about it last time, and Kyle and Trisha did it with their kids. Milestone birthdays, letter writing, photo books. Um, you do not have to be a technological marvel anymore to create a fun little photo book for your daughter. Now, this one, do not freak out about this, right? This is just this is simple. This is like two hours on a place called blurb.com, B-L-R-U-B.com. <coughs> 
you can download your worst or best pictures and, and just and give them a hardbound book that just goes, hey, we love the first 13 years of your life, right? Um, we, we took it even a step further. It'll probably really stress you out. But, uh, you know, we asked friends, just Julie and Sarah Beth and others, to, to write a little note to our I daughter. I'm going to pick a scripture that um, our plan with this book at 13 was we wanted her to know her adolescence, her teenage years, needed to be grounded in scripture. So we asked um, women and some of her really close friends in her life to pick a scripture that you know, they they personally would really want her to know playing during her middle school years. And then I had them write a letter. Why did you choose that specific scripture? So we put, in this book, we put those letters, the scripture, the letters, and then pictures um, throughout the book so that she would have that and we can refer back to it. And it's just, and you know, us, a fun memory. And for us, at our house, that's a coffee table book. That book never goes up. It is always on the most prominent coffee table in our house. Our son has one. Our daughter has one. Our son's doesn't look like this because technology wasn't there <laughs> three years ago. And this is not. I mean, this is really cool technology, and um, and so it is just always in our house, and and it is a source of that they can look at and she go, wow. Has one in our room. You know, it's just it, it, it. So just driving a stake for memories, right? Uh, our friends have done it all sorts of different ways. Just dads just. Jotting a quick note to your daughter uh, means the world to them. I, I went to London, of all places, on business re- uh, a couple of years ago, and, and I found this card that says love and it had all these doodads hanging off of it. It was kind of cool, so I bought it for my daughter and just wrote her a note, brought it home, didn't even mail it, brought it home and handed it to her. And, and it's still like the most prominent thing in her room. And it just is a constant reminder uh, on that. So physical, emotional, social development in middle school years, you want to pick up? I think one of the um, things that is typical about middle school is that no day repeats itself. Emotionally, physically, socially, there's no day. Despite that Solomon says there's um, nothing new under the sun, there is with middle school girls every single day. Um, it just it, It's always changing. Therefore, we have to be on our toes. We have to be ready for it. We have to know it's occurring. And to do that, we have to be in our daughter's lives. We have to be a part. We have to know who their friends are, um, how they're treating their friends, how they're being treated by their friends. Um, Mom and dads both have a role to play in that on all the issues, boys, sex, dating, drugs, alcohol, friends, um, peer pressure, bullying. Yeah, I mean, to me, as a dad... um uh, I, I love what Roy said. I couldn't have said it better. I mean, to me, you know, painting the toenails is, is a great thing just to take away because that means that there's nothing off limits, right? There's no girl talk and guy talk in our house. So if we're going to talk about sex, we're going to talk about sex. We're going to talk about drugs, we're going to talk about drugs. And we also, there are no taboo topics. I mean, we just talk about drugs at the house. I mean, you know, we, we just talk about alcohol. We talk about uh, cattiness. We talk about materialism. We we talk about all those things, and we try to model them. But just talk. I mean, it's just like fine. We're not going to have pink elephants. Uh, no pink elephants. Let's just move them out there. Want to talk about homosexuality and lesbianism? Great. Let's talk about it. Let's do it at home. What a great place to be able to deal with those topics. Uh, I love this. This is the same book I told y'all about earlier. For a daughter to break free from seeing herself as a child—that's adolescence, right? She deeply desires and intuitively knows that she needs a close, warm, and intimate relationship with both her mother 
and her father. As she grows into adolescence, she no longer experiences her mother as a primary nurturer and caretaker. I hate to break that news to you. She desires to relate to her as a friend. This process takes, good news, several years and is not without struggle until they are both able to first recognize and then handle this switch in roles. This is a time when a daughter's father plays such an important role in her life. He is the one she needs to form an attachment with while she begins to shift roles with her mother. She knows she must separate from mom. For to become a woman, she needs to see herself as a woman distinct from her mother. But she also knows that she cannot venture too far out, of, uh, out there on her own, and she takes those baby steps into adulthood. Adolescence is a time of transition, and a daughter needs her dad to catch her when she falls and encourage her to keep moving ahead on this perilous, yes, yet exhilarating journey. Uh, you know, I mean, really, really good stuff. You want to pick up with... Uh, can I? Yeah, can I go ahead, real quick, I, I don't want to get off on one of those little notes or whatever before I forget. Because I am a stepdad of three girls, I often in a lot of different settings, there's, I guess, a role that step parents, male or female, have in some of these situations where some people look at it as that's not really your job or that's, right, you know, right, whatever. Right. So if we could touch on that later on. Because there's a lot of things like that I do like my 12-year-old, she's, we can see that now where she's kind of moving away from mom and getting into that, and we're like attached at the hip. I mean, we can't, there's just not a minute in the day if I'm not at work that we're not next to each other hanging out or talking or something, and some people think that's kind of, you know, weird, because I'm the stepdad, and, and I guess stepmoms or stepdads, a lot of people think, wow, that's... Let's I'm, just deal with that right now, I, I, because it, it segues really nicely to one of the topics. To me, I got stepmoms right here. I mean, in a, in a big way, these two are helping us parent. I, I believe, believe it or not, what Hillary Clinton said is right, that it takes a village to raise a child, and it really does. Uh, I need Todd Wagner in Scott Beckwith's life, right? And, and they don't have any kind of close personal relationship, but they have a relationship on Sunday mornings that Scott is right there with it. I need these two in Hannah Beckwith's life, right? And I need them to be able to occupy roles that sometimes I'm not able to do. Right, and so to me, it is it is biological, certainly very important. But I, I need people to come help me fill those gaps, right? And so I, I wouldn't let labels stop you from just diving right in. And it sounds like you have a great intimate relationship, and that is just the way to go, right? And so we really do rely. There are times that Hannah wants nothing to do with us, and and she she goes back there, and she goes over here to dear friends. Who you know really want to talk, and we got a bunch of them. I mean, we, you know, we're just we're like a big tent, you know, whatever. Uh, we're gonna as many people that we trust and rely upon can come in and just live that, life. With that's us. the thing. Make sure you know who it is they're going to, and that it is people that are grounded the way you are, that are on the same page, biblically and spiritually. You know, you as a parent, you need to know who those people are. And that you really do trust them, that you really do know those people well enough to know you're okay with your daughter going to those people, whether it's a step parent or a what small do you group do if leader. Your daughter chooses people that aren't like that. So, one of the things we wanted to talk about is we really believe, you know, friends are just going to be a major influence, and mentors are going to be a major influence. <laughs> and, and I think you have to help pick them. 
So to the extent that you have daughters that you can still influence that, I think you help pick them, right? And so we, we specifically help our kids pick those mentors. And you do that by speaking highly of people uh, and, and not by tearing other people down. Speaking highly, I mean, man, wasn't that a great sermon today by Todd Wagner? Look at what he did on that, you know, having very specific conversations. And then I think you have to weed some out, right? Uh, Tracy, uh, you have to talk about the daily friends and the, you know, you just have to really try. There's some that you're going to have to be a cattle rancher with. But if they, but they, if the kid thinks that you're trying to yeah. do that, they're going to go the opposite. Yeah. So you have to really almost manipulate your life, and it's going to take 110 percent. In my opinion, it's, it's a sheepdog. No, yeah, right. and then you're going to have to say, hey. Uh, Tommy and Tracy are coming over with Taylor and Thomas, That's and right. we're going to have Friday night hot dogs. And here, you know, they don't have time to go out with Susie that they want to go with because all these other people are coming. That's over. what we've done, Tracy. And you just kind of manipulate it so they don't have a chance to go out with that Susie. But the minute you say you're no, not going yeah. to Susie, yeah. I can vouch I was a child that was told no, and I did it, and I didn't get caught. And by the grace of God, did I go forward through my life and, you know, made it. But they'll find a way. One of the books that I have that we have on the resource sheet is this one by Vicki Courtney. And she's written a lot on um, adolescence. But this one, it's five conversations you must have with your daughter. And she speaks to that in here. And one of the things she says that I really like, that early on, she started the conversation with her kids she has boys and girls, with her kids that um, we're going to have weekend friends and daily friends. And daily friends are friends you just come in contact with at school, you know, that you just, because of your circumstances, you're going to be around them. But weekend friends are friends that we're going to build into, that we want you to build into those relationships, that we want um, as a family to build into those relationships, and that we're okay with you spending extended time with that person and it just kind of became a way of life for them and they kind of labeled friends of their kids as daily friends and weekend friends and their kids just knew early on the weekend friends were the ones we were going to spend extended periods of time with and so they didn't have to get into the no you know just banned friends as much although you know I totally agree with Tracy that you just have to be creative when you know this is not a good situation and manipulate, for lack of a better I think word. It really is the, just the role of a sheepdog, right? Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen a sheepdog work? You know, sheepdogs, they, they kind of run around the end, right? They, 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 they're not big enough to control a herd of sheep, but they can do it by nipping a little bit, you know, just a little bit, and by running in front. And so, uh, and the other is talk about the character attributes of God and compare them to people that you see in a positive way, right? This has really worked with our son, where we go, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are the the fruits of the Spirit. Wow, I saw that today in him. Isn't that cool the way that coach just loves you unconditionally? He's not going to start you. You are not going to be a starting player, but boy, he loves you. And, and, and so then you're affirming different people that you want to affirm. Isn't it, what, isn't it great the way they gave a week of their life to go mm-hmm. hang out with you, a connection? Man, aren't they trustworthy people? I mean, we constantly are building these two up, right, and just saying that. They're trustworthy people. We do the same thing with their friends, too. Absolutely. If, praise you know, praise their friends. When we see qualities we like in their friends, we really build up those qualities 
that those friends have to our daughter. You know, I love that this child spends time with her family doing this and, you know, whatever it might be. So we really try to accentuate the positive. And then there, there have been times that she has said, you know, I can't believe so-and-so did whatever. And we kind of take that and run with it and have a conversation. And we don't say, you shouldn't associate with her anymore. But we talk about the, the impact choices. of those choices that those and people are making. And what would happen, you know, the guilt by association and the bad company corrects good, corrupts good morals. You know, those scriptures, when they're applicable to those type situations. And try to do it that way rather than just flat out saying... And we have, we have not had a situation where we have just had to say, you may not, or felt like we've needed to. But we have had to direct them away from people. Um, uh, you know, I, I really am excited that my daughter has my son, that, you know, and he models for her as much as any of us do in right. her life. And um, I, I've just, and their dad too, we've had these just ongoing conversations with them over time about, whether it's on television or what their friends are doing or what they're hearing, seeing at school, um, you know, just what do you think about that and um, how would you handle that situation? If you had, if one of your friends decided they wanted to try smoking, what, how would that impact? You know, just all these different topics. And I have watched my son make choices about where he's going to spend his time that have been very healthy choices thus far. Um, and so I'm just hoping that well, And so you can phrase that, you can reaffirm that, you can build that up, right? And, and the other is don't waste meals. I'm, I'm really guilty of this, but I've got a buddy who really challenges me in this area of dads, you know, when you're coming home, right, have a topic that's going to be discussed, <laughs> right? It doesn't have to be weighty every time. I mean, you know, around our house, and this is a great segue. You know, we watch TV. We we decide to keep TVs in the home. So some of you might want to step step out now, but we, and we respect that. But uh, but you know, John and Kate Plus Eight was a really hot show around our house, and then John started sleeping around, and now they're getting a divorce. To bring you up to speed, if you haven't read People magazine on every counter, right? Well. Hannah was very attracted to John and Kate because of their nurturing of these eight beautiful children, right? And it was natural. A lot of our kids were into it. They also were kind of proclaiming the name of Christ in a, in a subtle way. And so, man, what a great launching pad to talk about real life, right? I can talk right then about how did they pick each other as a spouse. Did John love Jesus more than he loved Kate? I mean, just boom, right there. I can talk about adultery, you know, and what that does to a family, right? And I can talk about a, a lot of different things. Because guess what? They already know it. They've seen it. They're going shopping with mom at the grocery store, and Kate or John is everywhere with the with the, the Ed Hardy girl. And it's just everywhere, right? So you've got to deal with that. Um, well, and the other is, and, and, but, but uh, to me, it is really all about being dialed in as parents and knowing on every single level what is going on, right? So if you choose to let your daughter watch The Secret Life of Teenagers, which is, a, I think, a Disney Channel show. I watched a little bit of it the other night. The topic of the conversation was a gal who's about our daughter's age who was pregnant, talking to the guy who impregnated her. And a friend. Uh, and a friend. No adult. 
uh, no adults around about about whether to keep the child. I mean, that, that's what's going on. This, this sexuality, this is a giant rabbit trail. We're not going to go there. But I just wanted to encourage you to dial in, to have a conversation, and decide what your position is on it. Right? Just have a position. It's huge. Can I say something else? I also feel like, for me, it's really important for me to be very vulnerable about past mistakes that I have made and places where I've gotten hurt. I mean, you know, my kids, it's, they know we're divorced, you know. My son knows that he was born before we got married. He can do the math. And, and um, you know, those topics are not off-limits off for, for us. And for me, it's been very important to let them know, hey, you know, I have made bad decisions in this area, and I'm going to let you know how that impacted me. Um, and I think that's really important for them to see that I'm not perfect. Um, and that I've made mistakes along the way, and you know, uh, for them big, to yeah. and they learn from the, the big right. is the big is that they that they know you're not perfect, right? Because our culture uh, that we're all growing up in right here, you know, perfectionism is just a huge issue. And so, movies, you know, I'm not going to go off onto the whole movie thing, but but as we have gone forward, we've started to transition that responsibility to our daughter about which ones to start seeing. It along with us. Well, back to that guide, you know, going from the teacher to the guide role. You know, now we'll pull up, plugged in online and read the descriptions. To, you know, we started reading them together. Decide. Now, you know, okay, go read it and then come back and talk to me about what you read and tell me whether you still think it's appropriate for you or not. And there have been times she's gone, I think it would be okay. And I've had to go, no, you're not ready and here's why. How, how um, old is your daughter? She's third, she'll be in eighth grade. She'll be 14 this fall. Well, um, remember, we got 17-year-old, so she's she curves up. Um, the and, and, you know books just again we don't, position. We don't we don't let her completely make the decision, but we're just starting to transition that to her. We still have the authority to say no, even if she goes. I think it'd be okay. Then we can still we still have the authority to step in and go no, and here's why. If your daughters are readers, books is a huge watch out. Mm-hmm. Just a huge watch out, mm-hmm. you know. So you got to have a position on Twilight. I'm not going to get into which position yours is, but you got to have a position on it, right? You got to have a position on the entire area at Barnes and Noble and, and at Borders that is designed for adolescent and high school girls. There is a section there that is designed for adolescent, high school, and college girls, mm-hmm. and the books largely are about sexuality mm-hmm. or sexual experience, right? You just need to know that. You need to know they exist, and you need to have a position on wh- where you're going to go with those. Magazines, same way. You know, are, where are we going to go with people? Uh, and, and how are we going to describe what people is and what it is not? You know, generally it is a it is a characterized fiction view of, of America, probably, for most. And so talk about that. Are we going to still read it? Maybe so. Got to have a position. The thing we have at our house that our kids have heard us say a million times, your friends... The media, books, movies, all of those things will lie to you. They will will lie to you. We will not. If you come to us with something, we will tell you the truth. Even if it's a difficult, you know, awkward conversation, we as your parents, we promise to tell you the truth. But you need to know all these other people will lie to you, whether it's airbrushing, in photographs, you know, whatever. Um, and our kids have heard us say that over and over again. 
Uh, let's wrap up with, with really two last topics and we'll be done. Uh, and you guys can jump in too because we're really in pop culture now. We're in your mm-hmm. wheelhouse. No, uh, in terms of what you talked about probably with the girls. But, you know, cell phones, uh, texting, you know, you've got to have a position on them. You just got to decide. You may want to start slow and add in. That's kind of what we have done. These smartphones that are out there, you know, my, the thing that kind of rules my life in a lot of ways in terms of telling me where to be and when to be there. Uh, you know, there, there is a pornography risk with those. I'll just warn you about the Apple iPhone. It's absolutely my phone right here. has got a pornography risk associated with it. We've had a, we've had a middle schooler uh, who's had an incident, so just you need to know that. They're, they're wildly popular, right? But again, what's your position on it? And the iTouch, too. I, I, I Even touch. if you, we, we have friends that have experienced this. Even if you shut down the internet on the iTouch, but you allow iTunes or the App Store, they can still link to pornography through that if the internet is shut down on it. So you just have to so know those things, right? Just you have to be aware. Um, Facebook, our daughter has a Facebook. She's a rising eighth grader. We, we made that decision. <laughs> Uh, but I'm on Earlier Facebook than with her. her brother. Uh, I'm on Facebook with her. Uh, I check her Facebook. I have her password. I'm on there on a regular basis. I was there on there this week. She knows I'm on there. She te- uh, tends to forget I'm on there. She's also friends with all of them, uh, and so they can kind of alert us and go, "Hey, by the way, do you know Hannah posted a picture with a boy?" And we can talk about that. Um, yes, on that on that topic, something that happened um, to Hannah and another friend of hers in our small group. They had gone to a party and um, it was a swim party and pictures were taken. Neither one of these two girls were in, I mean they were in one piece bathing suits but a lot of the girls were in two piece bathing suits and the girl whose party it was posted them on Facebook. And so we had to go back and have a conversation. You know, we hadn't thought about it ahead of time. and. We had to go back, you know, you need to be careful about the pictures you're allowing people to take of you because it's not just a hard printed copy anymore. And so, um, you know, we, we've And said, what I love about that, by the way, that's not about Facebook, right? That's about cameras. Right. And we so, talk about sexting at our house. We, we, I've asked my, daughters about, my, my daughter about that, my son about that. Uh, the last thing we've run into, and we're really, as you can see, we're just trying to cover some watchouts as we wrap up here. We're out of time. Um, the, uh, the the last watchout we have run into is is kind of hyper aggressive or hyper insecure moms or dads, and and the effect on adolescent. Uh, and it's really amazing to us, but we I mean we have run into uh, moms who, for whatever reason, really 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 want their daughter to have a boyfriend, and. Uh, uh, and, and it's really subtle, uh, but and it's, had, and it's had very yeah, yeah, yeah sometimes. <laughs> Not always but, subtle. But I mean, promoting it, you know, celebrating it, encouraging it, gifting it, funding it, uh, you know, why it really had an impact on our ha- our our household, and it's it's it, it's rampant in this church and in our neighborhood, uh, and and you just have to you have to go there with your kids and start talking about what would cause an adult. To have that kind of insecurity. It is for women. It's the mirror image of the dad who was almost the high school quarterback, whose son, by golly, is going to be the quarterback, or whose dad who kids. almost got to, uh, to Princeton, you know, and whose son, by golly, is going to get to Princeton. The mom who has got you know wounds in her heart that are related to sex, sex and dating, 
whose daughter is, believe it or not, going to go there. And, and it's just, watch out for it. It's a huge watch out. It's one you have to talk to your kids about. It's one that, you know, to the extent it lives in our heart, we've got to root it out of our heart. We've got to deal with our insecurities and, and just lay them on the table, right? So uh, we've tried to cover those watch outs. The, the last thing I'd love for you guys to do is before you, you know, before this whole parenting conference is a distant memory and before the either the highs or lows of it are gone, is to really think about your daughter's strengths, your daughter's weaknesses, or areas that you'd like to shore up. And just so write down three strengths for your daughter. You know, right now, if you've got a if you got a moment, just take a moment and write down the three strengths of your daughter. Write down what you think her spiritual gifts are. One, two, or three spiritual gifts. Write down her weaknesses or areas that you'd like to shore up if you don't want to call them weaknesses. Uh, and then passions. What does she love? Right, we've got BMX over here. You know, what do they love? And try to think about passions of the heart more than soccer. Okay? So just take a note of that, and then um, we'll talk about those in a sec. Why? Well, well, some people are right now. I have a question. How do you? How do we go about, or what would you give a suggestion about the best way of? I'm a very mathematical A type personality, and and I think of things, you know, that are going to happen six months from now, where she's still thinking that they're all six years old in some aspects, right? So when when I see my daughter, like a lot of times I'll get home at one or two o'clock, you know, from work, and I'll see him walk home, and she may be walking with a boy, and I may want to touch one of those topics about, okay, who was that, and what's going on, or whatever, and sometimes mom is like, okay, that may put her in an uncomfortable spot, or I don't think she's ready, and we aren't on the same sheet of music about, is that okay for me to talk about that? Do okay, we need let's to hold talk that. about that? Let's hold that while people are riding Roy, and we'll come back and answer that. That's a good question. Okay, well, let's, uh, we can finish these lists uh, in a second. We want to be respectful of your time. But here's why those lists are important in our mind. Um, as we think about kind of middle school and high school, your job as parents, my job as a parent, is to shore up and to celebrate those strengths, right? So if I don't know those strengths, i got to figure them out. And there are a bunch of fun little ways to do it. This is one of them. It's called uh, All About Bots. It's a silly little INTJ sort of analysis for your kids. You know, INTJ is kind of that, that personality analysis. And I actually believe in this. I mean, I believe that personality analysis is real. Uh, and, uh, and, and so this is just a fun little deal that you can get online. It costs you hardly anything. It's uh, personality-insights.com. There's a bunch of these out there. Uh, I mean, frankly, to become a member of Watermark, you're supposed to do this stuff. So you can take them there. You need to know what they are and then celebrate it, right? So for Hannah Beckwith, I wrote down and we wrote down together compassion. She's intellectual and analytical and thoughtful and she's reliable, right? So how do I celebrate those specific things about her? How do I build that up and celebrate that? In terms of her spiritual gifts, compassion, encouragement, discernment, right? So how do I let her exercise those? How do, do they know those and do they allow her to... Uh, maybe use that discernment when, when counseling with her friends. Uh, her weaknesses. Number one, what would you guess? Insecurity. Right? So, uh, to me, I'm insecure, but how do I help my daughter's insecurity? And <laughs> I, I really am. And so, how, how do I help solve insecurity? Well, I just talk about it, right? And to just shore it up, and, and also just to do what my dad did with me, and just tell me how, how great I am at 
this, this, and this, and right? constantly put them back to their identity as in Christ and what that means and how they find that, that, that Christ really made them exactly who they were. They right. are. That he doesn't make mistakes, even if you know they're perceiving something about themselves to be a mistake. That That's great. And then friend issues, another weakness. Passivity is another. You know, so just dealing with those issues. And then last, my passions, caring for friends and, and, and her brother. Uh, she has a passionate uh, relationship with kind of Africa for some reason, or just kind of the unfortunate, the downtrodden, reading, uh, and then seeing new things. New, you know, whether traveling over to Fort Worth or traveling down to, you know, or up to McKinney, or just travel and seeing different things. And so, knowing that then allows me to build up those passions, build up those strengths, build up those spiritual gifts, and then use all those to help solve some of the weaknesses. Okay, so that's why we had you do that exercise. I'd love for you to spend some time thinking about that as you go forward. The other thing we didn't have time to touch on and we need to let y'all go is um, the importance of community. And a great source for community for our girls is student ministries and small groups. And I just, for both of our kids, um, Hannah has been blessed that she's starting her third year with the same leaders. Scott's been through his group, has grown and evolved and changed, and he's had five different leaders in that time. But I can tell you, every one of them has been a blessing in one way or another and has built into him. Um, and that is a great source for them to start learning, besides our model of commun- living in community, but owning it and having it for themselves. And then the other thing we didn't get to touch on very much is biblical conflict resolution. It is very important that we start teaching our kids. If I had known how to resolve conflict biblically. When I was in middle school and high school, I cannot tell you the number of mistakes and the heartache I would have avoided. And so we're trying to model it within our family, how we do it, resolve conflict in the workplace with our friends, and then taking them through it. I mean, we've had some very specific situations where we have, you know, there has been a hurt, and we have taken that Matthew passage of conflict resolution and helped Hannah walked through it with her friends. We've gotten other moms involved. Yes, it has been uncomfortable. Yes, it has been awkward approaching people. But I'm telling you, they're learning in a, in a baby step process that will serve them well when they are out on their own if we can really begin to teach them. Because we all know we've lived middle school years. There are a lot of hurts. That if rooter, ro- bitterness is allowed to root from those hurts, it can be a lifetime of problems. And so we really, it is our job to really start teaching them biblical conflict resolution. And we don't have time to go into the details of it, but if you go on the Watermark website, it's Lord of the Rings. Todd did a whole series on it, and there are handouts and just one-page handouts of, you know, step-by-step of how, how you do that. Don't sweat the small stuff, number one. Take the log out of your own eye, number two. Help your friend take the splinter out of their eye, number three, right? And so just do it, and don't sweat small stuff. Maybe one of them, I mean, it's huge, right? Uh, with a, and, and by the way, none of this comes natural to your daughters. Our son at some point looks at us just like mad, you know, because we were trying to get him to confront a bully with it. It's like, that, they do not do that, water stuff at school. <laughs> 
So. Well, and also when when we have had that when we've struggled to get on the same page, we've gone to community, we've gone to friends that we we trust, that we know have our best That's interest great. at heart, and go. You know what? We're having a hard time getting there That's together. Great. Tell us what you see from the outside looking in. What is your experience? How can you how can you help us come together so that we can do what is best for our child? And community has been a big, in the last 10 years, has been a big added value to our marriage and our relationship, especially in helping us when, with conflict when we can't, we can't resolve it easily on our own. And all that we go together, by the way. You know, we, we lay it out in front of another couple together as opposed to me calling the guy and you calling the gal. You know, we just together go, all right, here's the deal. 